0: Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Big 12 Podcast here on this Friday, November the 13th, 2020. On the show today, we've got two games to preview from the upcoming weekend. It is TCU and West Virginia, and also we will preview Baylor and Texas Tech. We'll talk some Big 12 hoops as well, and then look around the country to see what else there is to watch in college football and otherwise in a weekend where 60% of the conference is on hiatus. So hope you guys enjoy the show. All right, let's get to it here on the Locked On Big 12 podcast here on this Friday the 13th. Hopefully it is not unlucky and we're able to play both Big 12 games scheduled for this weekend. We've got six teams in the conference that are off. We do have the two games that I mentioned. In the first game, West Virginia hosts TCU. And then in the second game, it is Baylor traveling to Texas Tech. So not the marquee games we're used to. Obviously, you guys know on this podcast that we normally do the three games that are kind of the non-marquee. We do those on Thursday, and then we preview kind of the big two on Friday, but we don't have that this week. Yeah, and, and on the bye this week, you've got Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, who is dealing with their COVID issues, Texas, and then uh, you look at the rest of the way, also Kansas is too. So your your top five teams in the conference in terms of standings are all off this week. Um, and, you know, good and bad, no marquee showings obviously is the bad part of this, but also too, it's a good place, good time rather, for the Big 12 to showcase uh, a couple other of their teams. And I think West Virginia is a pretty much kind of a known quantity, right? We've, we've seen them a lot. They were obviously in that game on ABC last week. Uh, they have been a team that we've seen a bit. Uh, but TCU really has not been in the limelight a whole lot. And they're playing their best football of the season, so probably a good time to see them. And then Baylor and Texas Tech, probably not a game that's going to catch a lot of eyes uh, at 4 o'clock on FS1, but a, a game nonetheless in our conference, so we're going to talk about it. And uh, you know that preview is going to be that one's a pretty hit or miss game. I think I think anybody who says if they know it's going to happen in that game is is, uh, is lying to you. All right, so we'll start at noon on Fox. So big noon kickoff. You've got TCU in West Virginia. I believe this game was moved to big noon kickoff because of the cancellation of the Maryland and Ohio State game. So uh, with that in mind, we are now moving this game uh, to Fox, which is really good. The Big Twelve is going to have more eyes on it setting up this contest it is TCU three and three, three and three in the conference at West Virginia who is four and three, three and three in the conference. So both these teams are tied in sixth place, a chance to get above 500 in the league and a chance to get into that top five area. Um, you know obviously some other teams would have to fall off, but still the opportunity is presenting itself. West Virginia in this game is a three point favorite at home. The over-under is 45-and-a-half, so Vegas thinks this game is going to be ugly. I tend to agree as well. Some We've had some games this year in the Big 12 that have been pretty, pretty ugly, right? We had Kansas State last week against uh, Oklahoma State in a battle of two of the top teams. It was pretty ugly. That Texas-West Virginia game was pretty ugly as well, too. So uh, hopefully we can get a, a few more offensive kind of you know Big 12 games we're used to. I know Texas-Oklahoma was pretty sloppy, back and forth, classic Big 12 affair. But, you know, kind of looking for some clean, fun offensive football. Not sure we're going to get that this weekend. The streak in this series, West Virginia has won two in a row. Uh, they f- have a 5-4 to four lead all time. What is at stake here? Like I said, a plus 500 record in the conference for TCU. Also, it would be a third straight victory for the Horn Frogs. For Texas Tech, or excuse me, rather West Virginia, it would be a chance for the Mountaineers to get back on track after their loss uh, against Texas last week in a close game, a game that I thought they could have, uh, could have pretty easily won. And also, too, you know, they're trying to avoid uh, three three losses in their last four games. Right? They lost to Texas Tech, they lost to, um, and then they had a win against Kansas State, and then they have the loss against Texas last week. So trying to avoid three in their last four. Some keynotes heading into this game. Uh, Letty Brown, uh, the running back from West Virginia, is questionable with a mid-body injury. Really, uh, Neil Brown didn't have a ton to say about this. Didn't really, uh, was not very specific about where the injury was. And uh, yeah, just not a lot of details. But uh, with that, Letty Brown, you know, is their leading rusher, 741 yards and nine touchdowns. And we saw last week when he went out of the game, the rushing offense had its fair share of struggles. Uh, J.D. Spielman is out for the year for TCU. Uh, that was announced this week. He'd been out, I believe, for three or four weeks, I think. Uh, pretty sizable chunk of time. And he's going to be out of uh, for the year. Three of the four top uh, TCU receivers by reception are freshmen. So if you look at the TCU, you know, if you look at their team stats, three of the guys uh, who are the top targets are freshmen. Three of the top four. So... That is one thing I'm looking at in this game, and it's something that TCU fans have been tracking all year, is how well can those guys get open and create space? I think it's been a problem in their passing game. We've got no idea if Marcel Brooks is back for TCU either, so that kind of leaves them up in the air uh, on the defensive side of things. Brooks, obviously the transfer from LSU, a former five-star recruit and not the start he would have wanted here to his his TCU career. I will say this, LSU could have used him this year on defense uh, especially, but we hope he gets back and, uh, and hopefully we can see him on the field this week. But we've got no idea if he's going to play. He has not played since the Iowa State game in late September. TCU leaves Texas for the first time this season. This is their first road game where they travel outside of the state of Texas. And obviously that's something to look at because West Virginia is that long trip where it feels like you're not playing a conference team due to how far you travel. So uh, TCU leaving the state for the first time this season. Key stats to look at, TCU is 85th nationally on third down. I want to start there because I think that's where this game is won. I've said that about a few other games, but... TCU is a team that is not good on third down, and I think the key for West Virginia is getting them to third and long. If they can get them to third and long, that's not a dynamic passing offense. I would say TCU at times, even if it's third and seven, third and eight, might still go with running. They might still run the option, right? Max Duggan had an electric game last week. He goes for 154 and three scores on the ground, and you kind kind of compare that to the passing game. 11 for 23 for 73 yards and a pick. I think for Max Duggan, I'm not sure if it's, I think it's a combination of things, right? It's never one thing typically in football. I think part of it could be the offensive line. They're, they seem to be pretty good at run blocking though pass protection might be an issue. I don't know. Uh, you know, that's something that we'd have to look at in this game, especially because West Virginia is one of those teams that will test you on your pass protection, right? They're a team that likes to get after the quarterback. Texas did a pretty good job of blocking last week and uh, not allowing WVU to get home. The Mountaineers, I think they only had one sack against Ellinger last week. This week, I'm curious if they can get home. And uh, it's going to be that battle, right? Because that West Virginia defense is very good against the run. It's third best in the conference uh, against the run. And, and here's your here's your stat about TCU, right? The book is kind of out on them. When TCU rushes for 200 yards, they're 3-0 this year. When they don't, they're going three, right? Three and three record. That makes a lot of sense. This reminds me of, uh, there was a Washington team when they were back, when they were the Redskins, uh, with Alex Smith, I believe in his first year, that was the year that Adrian Peterson played very well for Washington. They were, I forget what the record was, but I think it was like five and four, something in that area. And in games, they rushed for hundred plus yards. They won. In games, they didn't, they lost. TCU's got to establish that run because their passing game is not consistent enough. They don't have experienced enough wide receivers to get open. They don't have enough talent on the outside, it seems, at this point in time. Developed talent, at least. To get open and uh, I'm curious to see you know those guys will come along and hopefully this passing game comes along with Max Duggan but it's not there yet they're, they're not even close to being there yet and this is a WVU team that leads the conference and in interceptions so a team that's good at turning opponents over and uh, I, I think for Max Duggan you know you could force him into making some mistakes we saw him make mistakes last week against Texas Tech I think this this Mountaineers defense is much more capable of, of forcing those errors in this game um, I'm leaning West Virginia in this game. I, I think that their defense, um, I think defensively for them, I just laid out all those things that they do very well. It's kind of sticking to that, right? They didn't allow a ton of big plays last week. They, you know, and I can say that because a couple stick out, right? If only a couple big plays stick out in your mind, that means that there weren't a ton of them. So there was the B. John Robinson long run in the first quarter and also the long Sam Ellinger touchdown pass but I thought there was a hold on that one. Nonetheless, still a deep play they gave up um, in, in that game. So they're good at limiting big plays. Their linebackers are going to have to stay at home against the run. TCU's offensive line last week, and granted, it was against Texas Tech, but they were parting the red sea last week. Uh, those, I mean, if you look at some of those Jared Dagey runs, like the center and the guard man, I mean, there is just all day to run, and there's also nobody in the second level too. So they're going to have that challenge. Uh, West, West Virginia is, but but also you have to look. Like, this is not TCU's, or Texas Tech's front, rather, right? This is not uh, a bad front. This is a pretty good front. And I'm going to keep saying this. This WVU defense is good, right? This is not an aberration. There's a lot of experience and a lot of talent on that defense that have performed very well. This is not just some, oh, great, you know, this, this defense has been a good point of the team, and it, it's cool to see them develop, but they're not there yet. No, this defense is legitimately good. And they've got, obviously, a very good front with the Sills brothers. So the challenge for, for TCU is can they block them? Can they open up holes in the running game? If TCU, you know, I think they do have to run for 200 yards in this game. Uh, I think that's going to help them milk the clock. And for their offense that plays pretty aggressive man coverage, they're going to need to cover pretty well because I think Jared Dagie is going to be able to have some time and finally make some plays down the field like they were unable to last week. Their running game is what I'm curious about because there's, there is a situation in this game where both offenses don't get going. And, or, or you know, particularly here, in West Virginia, their offense does not get going because there is no Letty Brown. Alex Sinkfield now comes in. And he's going to be the guy, but they're going to have to rely on this passing game a bit more. They're going to have to, you know, they've been pretty good throughout the season, but this passing game is going to have to prove themselves against a defense that has been improving. Uh, they're sixth in the conference, TCU's defense is. So, not, they haven't been great this year, but the team has won two straight games and they've played some pretty decent defense while doing so in their last two. So, that is the challenge. For West Virginia on that side of the ball, right? They, they're going to have to uh, manage the game as well. They're going to have to hit some big plays, though. I think they're going to have to go down the field, and those opportunities against TCU, like I said, they are there. This game, you know, I the more I think about it, I kind of go back and forth about which way I'm leaning. I'm going to go with West Virginia here. I'm going to I'm going to lay the three points. Uh, the key for them is if they can get a lead. TCU is not going to be able to catch them playing from behind. If you can get like a 10-point lead in this game and make TCU throw the football, you're going to put them in some bad situations, be able to turn them over and cash in for some more points. So my, uh, my prediction here is West Virginia lay the three points if you're going to go for it. I know I had a rough week last week, but I would lay the points, uh, and I think WVU wins this game uh, by probably 7-10. to 10. I, I think it's going to end up being close. I think it's going to be 7-10-13, so maybe kind of in that 1-2 to two score range. Uh, I'm not seeing a blowout here. Not sure if I'd touch the over-under. You never really know what you're going to get in a game like this. It could be ugly, though. (laughs) It could be very ugly. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to hear from our sponsors. And when we come back, we're going to preview the Baylor-Texas Tech game. But first, a word from one of our sponsors. Today's Locked On Big 12 podcast is brought to you by Coors Light. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button and get ready for whatever's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but non-stop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family, and a million pressing social issues and the expectation to be on 24-7. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer that's made to chill, and that is Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind, so when you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look, delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. That's get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly, Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, next game on the docket, the only other game on the docket. This one is at 4 o'clock, and it is on Fox Sports 1. That is going to be Baylor traveling to Lubbock, Texas, to take on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Baylor is one and four on the season. Texas Tech is two and five. Baylor one and four in the conference. Texas Tech is one and five in the Big Twelve. The line on this game is even. It's going back and forth. Uh, when I did the notes for this show, it was even. It is now one and a half in favor of Baylor. So Baylor one and a half point road uh, favorites here. So yeah, four o'clock game FS1. Like I mentioned, um, over under is fifty seven in this game. Baylor has won the last two. They have won seven of the last nine in this rivalry. What is at stake here? And I hate to be condescending, but this is actually what is at stake here. It is not being the second worst team in the conference, right? Texas, uh, rather Kansas, is the last team in my power rankings, their last place in the conference, their last place in everything. There's no debating that they are the worst team, uh, the worst team, rather. Uh, this game though is to decide who is who is right there, right? There is nobody else that I see being worse than these two teams, and I guess worse is is kind of the wrong term to use. Uh, no two teams have played poorer this year than these two, uh, outside of Kansas. So I know I know. Um, Texas Tech has two wins. They had that good win against WVU, so that's something to hang their hat on. Baylor just has the win against Kansas. You want to get a win elsewhere. So so I think the the place where I want to start is um. Some relevant news, Terrell Bernard, the leading tackler and linebacker for Baylor, is out for the season with a torn labrum and a fractured shoulder. We wish him a speedy recovery. 55 tackles, three and a half sacks on the season. It'll be Abram Smith, a converted linebacker, or excuse me, converted running back, who's now playing linebacker, who will replace him. Craig Williams, leading rusher, is out for the season. He averaged like a little bit under 50 yards a game, though. It says more about the you know kind of rushing attack or the lack thereof that Baylor has had this season. John Lovett and Tyquan Williams should be back from their injuries. So running back and wide receiver getting back into the fold for the Baylor Bears. One note for Texas Tech, it looks like Henry Columbia and Allen Bowman are going to play. And this is important because I've been telling you guys, and I've been saying this now for a couple weeks since we even started the show, was that I think the difference is negligible between Henry Columbia and Alan Bowman. I don't think in terms of production, you're going to see much of a change. I don't think there's there's a big differentiation there between what those two guys give you. Uh, this offense has looked good at times. It has also sputtered at times. And for me, I know Alan Bowman has had injury issues, but just I think he is a more consistent player. Henry Columbia's is pretty consistent, but it's not consistently good enough. I think Alan Bowman's got a, you know, more often than not produces... Uh, a higher level of play when he is on. So I think he gives you a better shot to win. I know the results aren't always there. I think it's honestly going to be pretty even, but I am a bit more of a believer in Alan Bowman. I just, I can't, the the idea that Henry Columbia somehow gives them a better chance of winning. Um, I have not seen that. I think Matt Wells isn't seeing that either. So that is why he's making this change. So uh, I want to start with Baylor. Baylor, real signs of life last week, right? They They pick off Brock Purdy three times. And they still kept giving 38 points up. But um, they pick off Brock Purdy three times. They have a chance to win it late. They're a team that showed a lot of signs of life. But they showed a lot of moments of just not being ready to, to beat big-time competition. Or at least in the, com- in the conference, what we define as big-time competition. And uh, I, I want to see them build. I think there was a lot of positives last week for this Baylor team. I like Dave Aranda as a coordinator. The adjustment obviously has been... Difficult for him. We've talked about it at length with the COVID issues and how many games they've had canceled. And This has not been the season that Baylor expected, but a chance here on the road against a team that is down in your conference that you can beat. Uh, the defense has been improving. The offense had their best game of the season last week. Still made a lot of mistakes, but Baylor, for what it is worth, played their best offensive game of the year against Iowa State. Uh, Charlie Brewer threw for almost 300 yards and three touchdowns, did throw the two interceptions. The running game did not get going, uh, though. Uh, the leading carrier was was Charlie Brewer, uh, and leading rusher, rather. 29 yards on 10 carries. They did lose Craig Williams in that game, and also they were out without John Lovett, too. So uh, good to get him back. Tristan Ebner uh, had a nice day in, the, in the, the passing game last week out of the backfield, so hopefully they can get the running back collective going in this game. And you can run the ball on Baylor. I just don't think that Texas Tech has the guys to do it. Uh, And Texas Tech, for me, I am still curious to see what Matt Wells is building there. I'm still curious to see what the identity is going to be, especially heading into next year. That's what I'm curious, because they do have some talent on the team. It's not like this is a talentless roster. Uh, They do have some players that I like, especially on offense, right? They've got a a plethora of guys across the board who are pretty young. Uh, TJ Vasher is their only uh, senior wide receiver, Right, everybody from Uzakama and, and Ridgden, uh Sir Roderick Thompson and Xavier White. They're all guys who are not yet seniors. Uh White and uh Thompson are both sophomores. Ridgden's a redshirt junior. Uzakama is a redshirt sophomore. So they've and they've got a lot of young receivers coming up behind those guys. I am high on Texas Tech's future. They're just not there yet for me. I do think Baylor wins this game. I think it's gonna be tight. I think they make some mistakes, and Texas Tech is able to capitalize a little bit, but I think Baylor wins this game by like two points. Uh, I have no idea what kind of game it's going to be. This game kind of feels like a crapshoot because of these two teams. I can't honestly tell you who's going to win, but I, I do like Baylor in this one. That's what my gut is telling me after looking at kind at of the numbers and looking at the game breakdown. Okay, let's take a break. When we come back, let's take a look around the country to see what else there is to watch this weekend because there is a thin Big 12 slate. And also, we will check up on some Big 12 hoops as the season gears up less than three weeks away until college basketball is back. Today's Locked On Big 12 podcast is brought to you by Built Go. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it and go every day. Easy to take in a 1.5-ounce package, Built Go can be put in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever. It can go in your golf bag, that's what I do, to power through the back nine, or you can put it in your pocket to get you through the day. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's five-hour energy without the same crash feeling, plus it's natural, so it's better for the body. It's like taking a five-hour energy without that same crash feeling. It's like drinking a Monster Energy drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. They've got three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. Right now, you can go to BuiltGo.com and use a promo code LOCKED, that's L-O-C-K-E-D, and you'll get 20% off on your next order. Once again, go to BuiltGo.com, use a promo code LOCKED for 20% off. BuiltGo.com, let's go. All right, a quick look around the country for what is worth watching this weekend. I'm telling you guys, maybe this is a weekend where the Big 12 is on your second string, second screen rather, if you are a two screen uh, watcher like I am. Maybe you put it uh, on, you know, one of the flippers. If you're a channel flipper, you can put it on one of the channels that you're going through. But let's just kind of peruse the schedule really fast and recommend some games to watch for you guys because we do not have a full slate um, this Saturday. Uh, if you're, well, if you're interested, by the way, Minnesota, Iowa on, on Friday night is a weird game tonight and a game that feels like both these teams really need to win. And, uh, I mean, Minnesota less, so Iowa, Kirk Ferentz, dear God, it has been a bad off season and they beat the hell out of Michigan state last week. They needed to, uh, I think they want to build off that, get another win tonight because the heat is on right for all the things that have happened over the course of the off season with Kirk Ferentz and that Iowa program. On Saturday, Miami at Virginia Tech. This one's an interesting one. If you are looking to wet the beak, it's at home for Tech, but Miami is getting two points. Uh, Virginia Tech is the is the favorite here, and I you know I'm listening to some stuff this week. It's saying, well, Tech has kind of underperformed relative to their you know statistical output. They've they've underperformed a bit. So uh, I'm you know I'm curious about what's going to happen there. You maybe second screen this one if you're going to watch that game. Um, we are going to watch the TCU-West Virginia game. That'll be screen one for me, because actually in that noon window, you kind of look at it, and there's really no other game that's better than TCU and WVU. Indiana and Michigan State is pretty compelling to me for the reason of Indiana being 3-0. Michigan State is kind of Jekyll and Hyde. They've showed some good. They've showed some awful I'm curious to see which Michigan State we get against Indiana. Indiana obviously looks to be maybe the biggest threat in the Big Ten, uh, at least in Ohio State's division. They do, so I think that one's going to be pretty curious. Penn State, Nebraska, mm, nah. Uh, if you're looking later on in the day, three thirty on ABC, Boston College and Notre Dame—that's the one a lot of people have circled because they are curious about how does Notre Dame respond after the best win that anybody's had this season, their victory over Clemson. I'm curious too. So three thirty on ABC, seven p.m. on ESPN, Felipe Franks returns to Florida. No uh, Sam Pittman, he has got COVID. We wish him a speedy recovery. That one's interesting. Florida, obviously now kind of in the driver's seat in the SEC East. So maybe that is worth a watch. Michigan and Wisconsin. If I mean, if you like pain and suffering, that might be the game for you because I, I think, I think, uh, I think fans of Michigan might be going through it that game. It also depends though who is playing for Wisconsin in that one. Pac-12 after dark. Cal, Arizona State. Cal gets their first chance to play Utah and UCLA. Both those teams playing their first games as well. And then you look at kind of the casualty list, right? Now you start thinking about all the games that we lost. Alabama, LSU, Ohio State, Maryland, a and Tennessee, Auburn, Mississippi State, Georgia, and Missouri. Uh, I mean, we lost a lot of football games this week due to COVID. So uh, everybody stay safe out there also, too. That is the message. And a lot of schools, you know, going full-time or primary, primarily now online. Many people believe these covid outbreaks can be traced back to halloween parties. I don't think that's an incorrect uh, assertion uh, this time around. I and I do believe, you know, you got to understand these are college kids, so it does make a, a touch of sense that, that would that would be happening. Something else I want to note the Masters is on this weekend. So, if you are like me and you are a golf fan, also, in addition to being a college football fan, this is a wonderful weekend. This is a great weekend to flip between both. The nice thing about this weekend is that the Masters is not going to be necessarily conflicting with a lot of the football games, right? They're going to start at, uh, they're going to start, you know, around seven or eight in the morning on Saturday morning, hopefully, barring any weather issues. And they're going to keep playing until around 5.30, 5, 5.30, depending on whether it's overcast or not. So that's exciting, right? I mean, You know, if you're a golf fan like me, golf, college football, I know there is a pretty large contingent of us who are uh, fans of both, which makes it a really awesome weekend, right? I, I love these kinds of weekends where there's golf, where there's college football. So that should be exciting and something to keep an eye on if, if you are like me. A nice thing to have on to be able to toggle between, you know, the games happening uh, and some golf. All right, let's touch on some hoops before we get out of here. So the AP poll for the college basketball season came out this week. Gonzaga number one, Baylor number two. Baylor gets 24 votes in this poll to be the number one team in the country. So Baylor will start off the season in the eyes of the Associated Press at number two. Uh, other Big 12 teams in this, they've got Kansas at number six. So Bill Self's team We'll start off there in the top 25 once again this season. Also, Texas Tech, Chris Beard's group, is at number 14. It's crazy to see. Texas Tech is now a basketball school through and through, man. Uh, A great environment and, you know, great coach. For my money, one of the three best coaches in college basketball. Um, When you think about, for me, it's Tony Bennett, uh, Jay Wright, and then uh, Chris Beard at Texas Tech. So he's got his program right there at number 14. West Virginia is at 15, so Bob Huggins Group, another year older. I'm sure they'll have a ton of depth once again this season. They are at number 15. And uh, let's see, there were no other teams from the Big 12 receiving votes, so you're going to have four Big 12 teams in the top 15 teams in the country. It's pretty impressive stuff to start off the season for the conference. And then they had the announcement of the All-American teams, preseason All-American teams. Luca Garza of Iowa and then look it's Jared Butler of Baylor. So he is right there. And also surprisingly I, I mean I just I have a problem with this because I like they're freshmen so they haven't played college competition. So I think naming somebody a college preseason all-American without any college experience is difficult. Cade Cunningham's awesome. Like I am not going to not going to front. He's a tremendous player, but putting him as, you know, as <laughs> as a preseason all-American is a very bold move. But uh, senior Luca Garza and senior Jared Butler, also Cade Cunningham, freshman from uh, Oklahoma State, is there. Junior Oyo Donsumu from uh, Illinois is on this list. Gonzaga, senior Corey Kispert. And Arizona State senior Remy Martin is also on the uh, preseason All-American list. So uh, nice to see that there is some Big 12 representation in both. Kind of gets you excited for basketball season, but you got to be cautiously optimistic with what we're seeing right now. My hope is this, my hope with a lot of schools going online, I hope they send kids home and do everything remote because it has been my belief that college sports would be best played right now. And I want them to be played. I'm not saying they shouldn't be. Um, I think it's tougher to make the argument for playing them right now with how bad the COVID cases are with all of the kids around. I think if you make everybody remote and you want to make this money and and a uh, a lot of the schools are making kids remote as it is now online, Send them home. Say, hey, look, if you if you live elsewhere, you know, please go, go back to your home and, and do your classes online there, right? Uh, you know, for me, I went to Missouri. They are now going all online. I'm hoping that, you know, they would tell somebody like me, hey, go back to Virginia, go there. Because those players, if they're the only ones on campus, they can, you know, A, quarantine, and also there's less people around, less opportunities for them to do things, right? It's the argument of, you know, a lot of people argue, hey, um, the kids are more safe at school than they are at home. As it comes to a lot of the players, right? Of this argument, with the players apply an argument. Then, and I think you apply the opposite to a lot of the other students, right? Is if kids are from out of state, hey, you know, go back, go back to where you are from, so we can, you know, uh, not just for athletics purposes, but for general health purposes, right? Uh, COVID cases have skyrocketed across college campuses everywhere. So I think it makes more sense. It's also going to help these basketball season, basketball and football seasons, which we know how much revenue they drive in. And we know that they, the schools say they, they really need them. Watching the way they're slashing programs right now. This is the best way to do it is if you can get those kids as far away from possible. I still believe in a pod system. I still think the best way to go is quarantining people in places and then playing games. Um, a great example of this is the tournament at the Mohegan Sun that is happening. And a reason why I think that tournament is a good example is because the Mohegan Sun number one has been putting on events for months now, uh, mostly combat sports events there. And they've been testing people. They've been, they've been quarantining them, they've been fine. But I, I think it's just the best way to do it. I know these are college kids and they've got the chance to opt out. But, you know, if you want to play a college basketball season, I think potting these groups and saying, all right. You know, we're going to have a three week stretch where we've got these five teams together and you're going to play eight games in three weeks or, you know, it's four weeks together and you're going to play eight games in four weeks. Um, you know, and everybody's going to be in Kansas City and we're going to play all the games there and you guys are going to stay in the hotels, right? I mean, these these teams spend a lot of money and and it is my opinion that the money is there for these kinds of things. But I just don't know how they're going to get through a season. And Matt Jones of Kentucky Sports Radio, if you guys follow college basketball, he's obviously a very prominent voice. But he said, look, he said, I don't know how they're going to do this non-conference thing. And I kind of echo that too. You know, Unless it's going to be a Mohegan Sun situation where you've got these guys quarantining, it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be difficult. And once again, basketball is a sport where the physical contact and the nature of the game uh, Lends itself to you could you will get COVID, right? We already saw it. I'll use the example again Rudy Gobert and Christian Wood. He gave it to him. So uh, moving forward, uh, I think that's something to be mindful of as we approach college basketball season. Love college hoops. Uh, I am sour about the way the Big 12 ended last season. They had two unbelievable teams in Baylor and Kansas. Texas and Texas Tech were going to play a super compelling game against each other, right? In a game that was going to decide maybe he goes to the tournament. Maybe Shaka Smart keeps his job. So the opportunities are there um, for the, the Big 12 this season, right? I think it's going to be another fascinating, fun season. You add Oklahoma State into the mix. How much has WVU improved? Um, you know, what's Iowa State going to do differently this year? Uh, Kansas State, you know, can Bruce Weber get those things turned turn around after losing Cartier Jara? So uh, I'm, I'm very curious to see what happens this year in the Big 12. All right, that will do it for Locked On Big 12 today. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at LOBig12. Make sure you follow me at Josh Neighbors. Also, uh, subscribe, review, download, all those things. We want your feedback. Uh, Really love the way the show's trending. Our numbers have been growing with each and every episode, so I appreciate y'all's support. Share the episode, and everybody have a good weekend.